When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the AMA series. AMA, as Chase would prefer me to say it. Uh, I believe it can be said either way. Uh, nonetheless, I'm so excited to have you guys here, and we have our grand prize winner to announce from the Refer a Friend contest. It is none other than Sim Land. And if you guys wanted to know if we were for real, if we'd fly anybody from anywhere, this motherfucker is from Estonia. So we're gonna bring him in. It is gonna be amazing. Uh, very excited to meet you, Sim. Thank you so much for participating. We have two runners up, David Kim and Ayan said, Ayan said, uh, man, those two, by the way, had a ton of submissions. And the way that these were picked, it is at random, but it's weighted based on the number of submissions that you had. So it wasn't actually a hat, but it was a digital version of a hat uh, that every time that you had an, another person submit your name, that you had an increased probability of winning. So there you have it. Very excited. Uh, to our prize winners, please stay tuned for additional communications from our boy Shanzi, a.k.a. Sean Joseph, on Next Step. So he'll reach out to all you guys. And just super, super um, grateful to everybody that entered the contest. Had your friends come and subscribe and submit your name. Amazing, amazing, amazing. So thank you guys so much. All right. First question up is from the Connect Inbox. All right. Connect Inbox in the house today. This is from Hui Shu. How would you hold yourself to a high standard without being mean to yourself when I fail to do what I plan to do? I tend to beat myself up or label myself. I don't think this is an effective strategy. What would be an effective strategy for this case? So first of all, I do think that beating yourself up is actually a good strategy. It's when you do it obsessively and you hold on to it that it becomes a problem. Um, so it's not that doing it a little bit uh, is an issue. I do that a lot. I am, I am, in fact, one that has been on my mind lately. So I really want to get a Nike shoe. I wanted to be the first entrepreneur to get a Nike shoe, and I guess I still have that shot. But Gary Vaynerchuk, you motherfucker, has beat me to the punch of having a shoe, uh, and he's teamed up with K-Swiss, and I am deeply bitter about this, um, only because he beat me, man. He did it amazing. Mad kudos to Gary. I'm actually really proud of him. He's such a good dude. But damn it, I am very angry with myself over not getting a shoe faster. So I am completely mortified, mad kudos to Gary, but I, I legitimately, like I'm being funny about it now, I am not pleased with myself, uh, but I don't label myself. So just because I fail does not make me a failure. So that is where I think you're really falling down is when you put that label on yourself, and especially if you repeat it to yourself, man, that is really, really dangerous. Um, so you know me, I'm a big believer, do and believe that which moves you towards your goals. So beating yourself up, constantly, constantly labeling yourself a failure, like that just doesn't serve you. So I wouldn't do that. And I think that's really the bigger part of this. Give yourself a period of time where you're gonna feel badly about it and then move on. So if that period of time for you is an hour, then it's an hour and then move on and start looking at what do I need to do to actually execute against that. And that's really my tonic. So if this is something that I care enough about to put the energy behind, then get out there and do it. And on the shoot thing, like just being honest, it was always meant to be a fun thing for me. It was never very high on my priority list. Um, so the truth is I'm just not allocating enough time and energy to making that come true. So there you have it. When you're honest with yourself about um, why you're in that position and don't make excuses. And then the other is if it really is important to you, move it up and start acting on it really hardcore. So the thing that I care about right now, the thing that is just red hot on my priority list is getting that first comic out into the space Oh my God, lean in. Let me share something with you. Um, we're in talks with my absolute favorite comic writer, 
on the fucking planet to do a comic for us. Do you know what a big deal that would be for us? I'm just over the fucking moon about that. Many a slip between cup and lip, uh, as they say. So I know that this could fall apart in the negotiation, but the, the fact that um, I'm having this conversation. I am elated. Uh, so yeah, literally over the moon on that one. And then building the studio out, making content now that's focused on um, media, movies, TV shows, all that good stuff. Like we're doing that. We're taking those steps. So that's an example of when something is important to me, I just fucking execute. So executing is your tonic. Execute, execute, execute. And since I brought it up, if if and only if you are a fan of movies, TV shows, comic books, books, video games, go right now and subscribe to what is almost certainly going to be called Impact Theory Studios on YouTube. Uh, but you could do a search for the video that we did on Blade Runner. So if you do a search for Impact Theory Blade Runner and then go to channels, you'll find it immediately. Subscribe to that. Again, only if you're a fan of that stuff. Uh, it isn't it, you're not going to get stuff like this. Um, so go check that out. All right. Next question is from Alan Burlace. Alan Burlace on YouTube. What's the best way to highlight to your partner that you are spending too much time online? Okay. So this, let's make this broader. What's the best way to highlight to your partner that you have a critical stance on anything that they're doing? And to me, and this is something that my wife has I like to think come to appreciate about me, but used to drive her fucking nuts. And that is, I wait for the perfect opportunity. I'm waiting for that moment where the person's guard is down, where they're really receptive to feedback. And the reason I do that, man, if, if you give somebody the right message at the wrong time, they will resist it. They will get defensive. They may be hurt by something that you don't intend to be hurtful. Then they shut down. They're not going to take your message. And I see people fuck that up all the time. And it, look, it's something that I still mess up. And there's times where I just really want to get it out. And so I just say it. I blurt it out. I say it when it's right for me, but not right for that person. And invariably, that ends up being the wrong answer. So don't do that. The whole idea is to wait for that moment where that person is really going to be able to take on what you're saying and be open to making those behavior changes. So that is first and foremost. So you're looking for that opportunity. Now you want to say it also in a way that's constructive. You don't want to be judgmental. You don't want them to um, you know, be hurt by what you're saying. That's almost always the best strategy. Not always, always though, if I'm completely honest. Um, but it's almost always a bad strategy. Now, the reason that my wife hates it when I'm looking for that opportune moment is oftentimes I, I'm not rushing to make sure that this behavior changes. I want to make sure that it actually does change because I think you're less likely to get it changed quickly by rushing it. I know that's super counterintuitive, but that's usually the case. And then I'm going to say it in a way that they can really hear. Um, whenever possible, use a muscle-on-muscle -muscle strategy, which is highlight something authentically that that person is doing well, um, and then get to the thing that you think is less advantageous. If they agree with me that they should only do and believe that which moves them towards their goals, then I'm probably going to bring that up. So let's say that it was my wife. I would do something like this right at that perfect moment where she's really going to be receptive. I'll say, hey, something that like, I know what your goal is, you know, whatever it is. And I would state that. And I, from my perspective, and obviously this is something that you need to look at from your own perspective, but from my perspective, it seems like the amount of time that you're spending online is counterproductive to what you're really trying to accomplish. So look, I don't have a, you know, a dog in the fight. So it, that really just comes down to whether when you look at that, you agree, but I know sometimes you can get clarity from somebody else's perspective and that's what I see. So, I mean, that's, that's obviously generic. I, it would get more and more specific if I was really dealing with this with my wife and I'm going to introduce nuance wherever human possible, but she's going to feel my compassion. She's going to feel me addressing her goals and what she's trying to accomplish, not doing it from my perspective. I'm not trying to change her behavior because it's what I want. I'm trying to change her behavior because it's, she has a stated goal and she's moving away from that. And that really is how I would judge her behavior, by the way. So unless it was damaging the relationship, in which case, you know, we would have an agreed upon goal there. And I would just say, here's the goal that we agreed on. Here's how I think it's impacting that. And because it, you know, if this is a relationship thing, then I would interject how it makes me feel. Now, feelings are very, very, very subjective. And I would acknowledge that going in. All right. Next question is from Julie Ann, spelled very uniquely, by the way. Uh, Facebook, how do you convince somebody of your idea concept? Wow. So, 
A, that is really contingent on what my relationship is to them. So if my idea concept is in a business setting, then I work backwards from the goal. So what is our stated goal? What are we trying to accomplish? Here's why I think, well, first of all, here is my concept and I would lay it out in the most emotionally engaging way. If you can engage people's emotions, get them excited about it, that's key. If I can show how they're gonna be a hero by doing it, that's really important and here's where people fuck up all the time. People are people and so they're gonna have their own perspective, their own emotional response. They want it to be their idea. And here is the secret that I use. And I hope nobody from the team is paying attention. Um, that's a joke. They all know I do this. But I'm always trying to find ways to make it somebody else's idea. I want them to take ownership. If there's any way for you, and look, it is you will lose in that moment. I totally get it. In that moment, by giving away your brilliant idea and letting somebody else run with it, definitively like because some percentage of the time they really do think it was their idea and they totally run with it and like in that scenario you have given away your idea but what i have found is while i may lose something minor in that one instance over the long run people realize that i'm bringing these ideas and i'm not greedy about it that i want to share credit that i want to engage other people that i want them to be able to take emotional ownership of it as well that is just huge 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 that way i'm not fighting a battle because oftentimes the battle that you're fighting is the silent one it's the thing that they're not saying which is that they really wanted something to be their idea or they had an idea and they want to see it move forward so as much as i can to make it a team thing to help other people be a hero when it works like that is so big I really really encourage that and then make sure your idea is good and then honestly Ray Dalio shout out to my boy Chase like his whole thing about you uh, he doesn't use these words and I haven't read the book yet despite Chase's haranguing me um but his the concept is that you earn credibility with people over time by being right, quite frankly. So you need to back the right horse enough times that people go, wow, you really do have a lot of credibility. Now, that doesn't need to have been your original idea. But you need to identify the right answer faster than other people. And over time, then you're going to have the credibility. So when you present an idea, whether yours or somebody else's, that people go, you know what? Like so many times have ended up being right. So even though I don't see it right in this moment, I'm going to get behind this. All right, question from Jumani from Facebook. When you're starting your own business, how do you not get pulled by other thoughts and opinions about your about what your business should offer or operate? So this, it's interesting. So um, I create Alexa content daily, by the way. If you guys um, have an Echo Dot, uh, the Amazon Echo in any shape or form, if you haven't subscribed, be sure to do that. Drop my name into Amazon and you can add the skill. And this is something that I was just talking today about on that, which is how do you get the confidence to really be yourself? And this came from a Joseph Campbell quote where he said, the, um, the joy of a lifetime is being who you really are. That, that's a paraphrase. And I said, not only is this a great joy, but it's one of the hardest things you're ever gonna do. And whether that's business or just in your personal life, what you have to do is establish confidence and the confidence in yourself is gonna come from competence. So you have to really actually get good at something. That's something not a lot of people talk about when, when you say you wanna be yourself. Like That comes from having the conviction of really being A, excited about who you are and who you're becoming, most importantly. So having a vision that's thrilling to you and then also having earned credibility with yourself. And you earn credibility in two ways, by actually being good at something and being able to perform so that believing what you're doing with your business is actually a value add to people, having that clarity of vision, having thought a lot about it and watching yourself having executed on pieces of that over time so that you really have the confidence that is actually going to work, that's massive. And then the other way that you gain credibility with yourself is just by doing it, by doing the hard things, by saying you're gonna do something and then following up on it. So once you have that credibility with yourself and the confidence with yourself that you know you're gonna be able to do it and you believe that it really does add value to other people and it's something that people actually want, then it's like, you're not gonna be swayed. Now, however, having said that, I want people's ideas. I want them to tell me what they think. And my whole thing is, if something's a good idea, it can withstand criticism. If it's not a good idea, it's gonna buckle. And great, because it wasn't a good idea, it should buckle. So man, if people are willing to give me their advice, I'm gonna listen to it all, but based on what I said at the beginning of this answer, I'm not just gonna go with it because it's, their opinion or they feel more strongly, it's going to be because I really look at it and say either this 
helps me towards my goal or it doesn't. If it does help me, then I would adopt it, whether it's my idea or not. Uh, and if it doesn't help me, I discard it, no matter how emphatic they are. All right, next question is from Tina Shimoen. This is on Facebook. How does one find their purpose and what advice do you have for someone who is starting completely over? Before I answer that, take a sip here. All right, so first of all, I think it's awesome that you're starting over. That is something that a lot of times people are really afraid to do. I think it's incredible. And whether you're starting over because you weren't enjoying what you were doing, you felt like you failed catastrophically, or you just really want a new challenge, either of those are great. And if you can reframe all of that and move it into what you're doing, uh, whether you failed and learned, whether you just learned and want something new, whatever the case may be, there's knowledge from that arena that you're going to be able to apply. And I find that people that have the freshest thinking are people that are coming from totally outside the box. So that's actually really, really advantageous. Um, so now here's how you develop a passion. It starts as a minor area of interest. You gain areas of interest by encountering a lot of stuff. So if you haven't encountered a lot of things in your life, go out there and encounter stuff. Go sailing. Go um, take a dance class. Go study neuroscience. Like Whatever it is, um, just encounter a whole bunch of very broad, diverse things. From that, you're going to get sparks of interest. Like, oh, I actually found that interesting. I want to learn more. Dive deep through engagement, not through pondering. Through engagement, you're going to realize whether something is um, going to turn into an area of fascination. So as you go deeper into it, you're going to either become fascinated or you're not. If you're not fascinated, move on. If you are fascinated, then that's an area where you're going to ask yourself one very simple question. Do I want to become the best in the world at that thing? If you do, if you want to become truly extraordinary in that thing, then go down the path of gaining mastery. Now, the reason I think that it's wise to ask that question going in is when you frame it of, I'm going to become the best in the world at this, immediately people understand the amount of time, energy, and weight that it would take to become truly great at that thing. And I don't think that passion can happen unless you're becoming truly great at that thing. That's part of passion. I don't think people are deeply passionate about something that they really suck at. And I'll give you an example. I love video games. I absolutely love playing first-person shooters. I learn a lot from them. I get a lot out of them. I really just intrinsically enjoy the time. It has both that sense of eating a cake because it's just fun in the moment. And it, I pull from it life lessons, business lessons. I practice getting out of the sympathetic nervous system into the parasympathetic nervous system. It's literally gamified, so I'm getting better. I have points. I can um, you know, have my improvement turned into metrics. It's all of it I really, really enjoy. But I won't say that I'm deeply passionate about it because I'm just not that good at it. So that's one of those things if I really wanted to develop a deep passion for video, video games and put it at the center of my life, that then I would set down that path of really practicing. Now, this is like, this is the most important thing that passion will do for you, which is it's going to pull you through boredom. It's going to pull you through the hard times. And that's why it's really got to be something that you just are prepared to become great at. Because when you're prepared to become great, there's just these insane moments of boredom, uh, repetition, and all of that. And if you have this burgeoning passion coming out of that, that's what's going to give you the energy to get through it. So it's this symbiotic relationship between a developing passion and how hard it is to actually really get great at something. So the things that you get great at need to be something that is this developing passion. So there you have it. That's how you do it, and that's why you do it. All right, this question is from... Froso Marinu on YouTube, when your home life is less than desirable, it's not where you want to be living, but you're trying to break out, how do you not let the chaos around you affect your vision and drive? So this is a framing question. So what you want to do, and this, this Tony Robbins asked this question, I think it's absolutely brilliant. How is the worst thing that ever happened to me the best thing? that ever happened to me. So in your circumstance, how is being in a chaotic home life the best thing ever? Now I'll give you one example off the top of my head, and this is exactly why I play first person shooters. Can you learn to stay calm in the chaos? Because my friend, I have the chills. If you can do that, it will serve you so well in every single area of your life, in a relationship, in business, if you wanna be an athlete, if you wanna play games, like whatever it is that you do, one of the things that you're gonna to have to become great at is 
letting all of the noise drift away into nothing and getting into laser focus on that thing that you're working on. Now, when I give advice like that to people, they think, well, how do I practice? The amazing news is the best thing that has ever happened to you is that you have a built-in way to do that. Your home life is mass chaos. So now you get a chance to practice. I have the chills. You get a chance to practice every day, tuning out the chaos and getting laser focused on something. That's framing. Now there are other ways, but that one is so powerful that I will end it there. Focus on that. It is practice, practice every day. Thank God you're living in this chaotic environment, man. Congratulations. All right. Next one, Jeremy Thompson, Facebook. Is there a process you use to determine if an idea or product idea is legit? Don't go off this one because I can tell I'm going to need to come back. Uh, Like determining does it fit a need, how feasible it is to produce, and kind of part two of this question, do you need experience in the industry to truly have a chance? Okay, I'll answer the last part first because it's the easiest. You absolutely do not need experience in the industry to have a chance. In fact, the naivete of the beginner um, oftentimes is how people bring these really fresh ideas, look at the industry as a whole totally differently, um, bring surprising answers, challenge assumptions. It, It is almost always somebody from outside the industry that really disrupts the entrenched thinking. So that can really work to your advantage. Now, you're also at a disadvantage by being the newbie that you don't know a lot of the things that other people know, so you're gonna have to go hardcore to learn, and you're gonna have to be really fucking excited to keep learning enough to really develop um, skill, which you there's just no way around you're gonna need. So while being a neophyte serves you, it also hurts you. You're gonna have to develop those skills. All right, is there a process that I use to determine if a product or idea is legit? Yes, I use it. And I ask myself, am I actually getting benefit from this? So for instance, I'm on the board of a company called Modius Health. Um, They make a weight loss device that may also, at least a variation on the theme, help with anxiety and depression. They had me at hello from an interest perspective, um, but I told them, look, I'm coming into this as a total fucking skeptic. I remain skeptical, by the way, but the only way that I'm gonna get the answer is by engaging with it and using it. So I use the product. Some of you may have seen me um, posting content where I'm just fucking wearing it because I'm trying to figure out if it's real. Um, So yeah, use it, make your decision based on that. There's just absolutely um, no uh, substitute for that. If it speaks to a demo that isn't you, then go out and do market research. Have other people that are in the demo that you know and trust use the product and tell you if it delivers value. Get it out to as many people as you can, get as much broad feedback as you can in the demo uh, that it's meant to speak to. That's it, just hands-on. All right, question from Brian Jenkins on YouTube. Hi, Tom, shout out from Seattle. What is up, hometown homie? I have a question. How do you go about teaching people exceptional customer service, which you talk about, how would you handle them if they can't understand it? Okay, so first of all, if they can't understand it and you don't figure that out in the hiring process, shame on you. So I would be looking at that coming in. Are they a deeply empathetic and compassionate person? Um, That's just huge, huge, huge in the um, hiring process. And then also make sure that It's core to your company, hopefully, to really take care of the customer, to be people-centric, and this is the most important thing. And it was so funny. I was in a live. I was like, hey, everybody, thank you so much. This community is the most important thing in my life. And then I stopped, and I was like, that's actually not true. My wife is the most important. Oh, and by the way, my team comes before you as well. But that's the fucking truth. And if you want somebody that is really great at customer service, one, they need to feel you taking care of them first and foremost. They need to know that as the team behind this company, the people really doing it, that it's employee first. So that's going to help them lower their defenses. That's gonna help them feel good and safe in your company. Once they have that feeling, if you hired well and they truly are empathetic and compassionate, then it's about putting training materials together to make sure that they actually know the answers so that they can really be great. And then the final note, empower them to make problems go away. There's nothing more frustrating for them or for your consumer if they don't have some kind of budget to solve problems. So back at Quest, we used to say, hey, you've got 200 bucks. If you can, if you can solve their problem for 200 bucks, you don't even need to talk to anybody, just solve the problem. If it's more than that, then okay, get somebody involved. But having that latitude to know, whoa, like I can make somebody's problem go away up to 200 bucks. Now people are abusive and everybody that calls in is basically a free 200 buck giveaway. That's bad for business. But when you've got somebody that can really read the situation and figure it out, and by the way, I would rather err on the side of giving them the latitude to be very expensive and make mistakes um, and work with them to be more discerning 
but I would way rather err on that side than be stingy and they're not able to solve people's problems. So um, that's, that's a big thing, empower them. All right, this question is from Kez Daniel on YouTube. How do you attract the right team before you have the financial backing to reward the best team for the job? I have such passion but no money and need a team to build with me. Okay, so first of all, equity is gonna be your best friend in all of this. You're gonna literally give people ownership and make them feel the weight of their contributions to the company. And then also, you need to be really good at building a team, which means you need to have a very strong vision, very clear, a track record of success, or at least that as you guys are going, you make them feel empowered, that their ideas are heard, that they can really contribute to the company. If you come in with um, a dictator mentality, your vision isn't exciting, you're not able to build a team, you're not giving equity, like it's just never gonna work. So yeah, those are the things, there you go. All right, next question is from Mike Pickett on YouTube. Okay, I didn't win the contest. Um, how do I get to come meet you, be on the show? Whoa, those are very different questions. Um, the easiest way to meet me is to go to an event that I'm gonna be speaking at. So uh, I do a fair amount of speaking throughout the year. I stay and answer questions as long as there are questions to be answered. Um, so that is really um, an easy way to meet me. So. Keep an eye on my Facebook page where I announce the events that I'm going to be speaking at. Um, and then the best way to get on the show is there's, it's three things. One, have a very powerful and empowering mindset. Two, be able to articulate that mindset. And three, be so ungodly talented that we can't help but have you on the show. And that's where like, you just have to do something. You've got to do something fucking incredible because I've got to be willing to write that intro for you. And that's just the truth, man. I've got to do a crazy amount of um, research on you and that's got to be worthwhile. Researching you has got to improve my life. Um, so that's a big thing. So there you have it. That's how you actually get on the show. Uh, question from Rai Rai Mac. Riri, can I... Can I say Riri Mac? That's more fun to say. It's probably Rai Rai, given by how it's spelled, but I'm gonna say Riri. Uh, this is from Facebook. If I have a product ready for health and fitness software, okay, and I'm looking to launch the platform, how would you best raise the funds necessary for operation costs, investors, crowdfunding, VCs? Okay, so here's the bad news. The easiest way to raise money is to not need it. If you're gonna go into a VC with another app, another platform, let me just tell you right now, if you don't have traction, they're not going to invest in you. So if you haven't either done it in the past, done something extraordinary where they're like, whoa, this guy's a sure bet, or showing that my platform is getting traction, getting someone outside of your family and friends to invest in you is virtually impossible. So you've got to get the traction. How do you get that? By being better than other people, by building something better than other, better than other people. And if you need a technical co-founder to actually make this thing, give them equity, give them a lot of equity, be equal partners, split it 51-49 if you have to. But like, that, that's just what you have to do. You have to create something that people actually want to spend their money on, that they think they're going to get a return on investment. And then you've also got to be good at pitching. So. That's the truth of that matter. Oh, there's so much scrolling. Okay, question from Avril Sweeney on Facebook. Uh, who are the best people to socialize your idea? I don't know what that means. Next question. This is from a very hard name. <sighs> Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman Haji. Abdul Rahman Haji. How can we standardize innovation and keep it creative, like writing, for instance? Oh, is this as an individual? Okay, I'm gonna assume that this is an individual. How do we standardize? I don't, ah, standardize innovation feels a bit like an oxymoron, but if you wanna read about people that have systematized innovation, um, read, oh God, what's it called? Creativity Inc., uh, which is about Pixar, amazing book about how they've systematized creativity. I think that's great. Um, and then there's uh, 3M has some amazing stuff about how they've systematized creativity. And I think the company's called Idea Lab. I don't think that's right. There's another one, uh, shame on me for not being able to get it out of my memory. I'll have to think about that, but those first two will get you started. Um, they'll do a way better job of talking about how to systematize innovation, but you really have to bake it into the culture. You have to reward people if they fail intelligently, if they learn from their failures, if they fail quickly and move on, if they're always open to ideas, if they're not dogmatic, if they're not egotistical, if they really welcome ideas from a broad set of people, and you need to reward that. You can't be beat people up when they fail Another person, he doesn't speak a lot, but the head of Google X, um, whose name is, he's a weird name. 
oh man, you know when you can feel something tickling your brain? Like this guy's tickling my brain. Can anybody? Not very well. Oh God, no, it's not. It's really gonna bother me. Astro Teller. There it is, Astro Teller. I'm very proud of myself right now. Well done, Tom Bilyeu. For those of you that want to know what my internal dialogue is like, I just externalize that bad boy for you. Uh, I beat myself up when I can't remember and reward myself lavishly when I can. Um, so Astro Teller. I don't know how much you're going to find online. Hopefully there's some because more than anyone I've ever spoke to, he blew me away with how he systematizes innovation. And it's a lot of the things that I was just saying. Um, make sure that there's always a place for people who failed on a project, that you can move them to a new project so that they don't feel like, oh my God, if I don't make this like win, if this doesn't win, I'm gonna you know, get kicked out of the company, I'm gonna get fired. Like that kind of panic does not create innovation. It creates safe thinking. So you really have to create an environment that rewards that kind of thing. So if you're just you alone as a person, then you need to reward yourself yourself lavishly emotionally um, for trying as long as that try is something that is, was very sincere um, and you're not just rushing to failure um, that's very very important and then that you learn from all of your failures okay question from Tyler Wall YouTube longtime watcher second time caller thank you what kind of rewards do you implement in your life for higher level thinking and action taking, how about punishment for the opposite? Um, so, wow, you literally just witnessed it. A lot of my stuff is, is verbal and neurochemical because I really, really, really want to be a certain kind of person and I want to be proud of that. I get a massive neurochemical cascade that has happened over years of um, this, the little micro rewards and punishments for acting in accordance with that person with having seen how becoming a more capable version of myself has real tangible results in the real world, both being able to help other people and financially enrich my life. Like those are just um, incredibly, incredibly valuable things for me. And I've just seen how real that is. So when I reward myself and punish myself, which are just verbalizations, sorry, it's more usually silent, but like really internalizing that either I messed something up or I did something well, telling other people, like being willing to, to tell people, like I was saying earlier in this episode about um, Gary Vee beating me to having his own shoe. Like I'm just absolutely mortified by that. And I tell people and I say it out loud and I think about it. Um, and so I don't let myself off the hook easily. When I miss deadlines, I don't let myself off the hook easily. And then when I do something well, um, I, I reinforce that. And I tell my wife usually, I, every now and then I'm, I'll admit, I do pat myself on the back in front of the team full disclosure um, but that's part of my reward system so you have to be really careful with that so you don't seem like an arrogant prick uh, or too self-congratulatory in my mind though I'm very self-congratulatory when I do something well uh, as a balance we all have to walk that fine line okay question from our boy Joshua Martell. This kid is like OG as OG comes. He is the man behind Tom Bilyeu Classics. Uh, so just mad love to Joshua Martell. Hey, Tom, I did a David Goggins day for myself yesterday. I want to know more about what that is. That sounds amazing. Uh, to see what my limits were, I set out to do a nine-hour workout day at a place I've been training at. Nine hours. Fucking hell. I'm impressed. Uh, but my body and mental push stopped around six hours. Fuck yeah, dude. That's amazing. Six hours is fucking ravenous. Well played. That's not the right word at all. But you understand what I mean. That's incredible. Uh, I am pretty sure I know how to take this failure as a success. It is a success. Fuck. Six, a six-hour workout is fully legit. Like, would David Goggins um, punish himself relentlessly for that? Yes. He would be mortified. Yes. But dude... That's amazing. So understanding how to be inspired by someone like David Goggins, but give yourself like the wins, man. That's fucking incredible. So I'm impressed. Uh, last part, but what would you say on how to reframe? Well, there you have it. You already heard my answer to how to reframe from there. Dude, fucking six hours is a crazy win. That's super impressive. Well done. And so now the next time is when you do one of those days, can you push beyond that, right? Can you do six hours and one minute? Like that's a win. Um, if you set out to do like seven hours, but you get six hours 30, that's still fucking badass, dude. You're making progress. So yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Like that's the kind of thing you need to be very careful because if you go into a six hours and see it as a failure, like it's okay to go, hey, I said I was going to do nine. I only did six. I'm bummed out about that. But, but... I fucking smashed a six-hour workout. It's incredible. 
You guys know I have a very strict diet that I stick to, except for very special occasions, and I do that so that I can bring my best every day to what I'm doing, and a big part of that strict diet is high-quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is off Offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. And that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash impact and use code impact to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. And by the way, that's all the things that I would be saying in my own head. So there you have it. All right, question from Damien Demasi, YouTube. Hi, Tom. How can you cultivate patience when you are working towards a goal and don't want to get lost to the anxiety and obsessive thoughts? I'm going to let you down, Damien. I so hate patience. I have zero patience. Am I wearing brick by brick? I'm going to look. Oh, God. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad I have this shirt on today. Dude, because when I put this on which I legitimately couldn't remember if that was this morning or not. But when I put this shirt on, I thought, this is my version of patience. I don't do shit slowly. I am laying those bricks fucking as fast as humanly possible. I show up every day thinking, I'm gonna play today like it all has to happen today. Right now, today, I'm gonna move everything forward that I can, but I'm gonna do it brick by brick, and I get it. 
there is going to be a limit to the number of bricks that I'm going to be able to lay today. That's just true. And by the way, another thing that we have going in comics, and this is a great example, if you have to be deft enough to recognize that moment where, okay, I'm not going to be able to do it today. So working with we're negotiating with, that's the truth, we're negotiating with my favorite comic book artist, writer, writer of all time to create a comic, Beyond Thrilled. The other thing is there is um, a celebrity that I think has a really fascinating worldview that I happen to know quite well and we're at the very beginning of negotiating doing something with that person um, as a comic as well. Totally two separate things. But both of them, I've had to re like push as hard as I can. And then there are times where I realize, okay, I can't, like the, an email that I just sent today, the one email that hopefully I will send this week. And it was realizing that I had to just say yes to them scheduling something like 10 days from now, which I absolutely fucking hate. And so look, I recognize that patience is gonna move me towards my goal in that moment rather than going, can't you do something earlier? Which will make me come across as like a pushy asshole, which is gonna make them not wanna work with me. But at the same time, dude, I am, I am not trying to cultivate patience in myself. I'm trying to cultivate a willingness and an ability to go all out every day forever. To play like that every day because it's all built brick by brick. All right. Next question is from Kavitha Shrikanth. Kavitha Shrikanth. Hello, I have two questions. My goal is to get to a 10-hour workday, and right now I am at around six-hour workday, and I get physically exhausted after that. How do I push past it? And my second question is how to divide my day between learning and practicing the skill I learn. Okay, don't scroll off. Um, so first, the six-hour thing, we're talking, this is an almost certainly an ATP problem. Either you hate what you're doing, you're saying you're physically exhausted, so it's probably ATP but there might be a mental component. So make sure that you're very excited about what you do, you believe in it, and that it's worthwhile for you to put the energy. So beyond that, like generating energy on a physical level is real. This isn't like you can just muscle past that, right? That'll get you part of the way, but the other part of the way is you have to make sure that your body is efficient at generating ATP. Now, the way that that works, one, prioritize sleep. I'm in a really weird sleep cycle right now, and I don't know if I should punch Modius Health in the face for this, and that they have possibly um, just improved my sleep, which for most people is really beneficial. To me, it actually annoys me, and I joke about it a lot, but I'm actually really annoyed about it. Um, so I'm sleeping like seven hours a night, which for me is fucking weird. I normally get five or six, and so the fact that I'm sleeping seven routinely is crazy. I don't know what to make of that, but I prioritize sleep, so I don't set an alarm. I'm getting seven hours right now. It is what it fucking is, um, and if that's what my body needs, then that's what I'm going to give it, so that's part one. Part two is exercise, just the way the body works your systems, including the mitochondria, is just going to atrophy. It's going to get bad at producing energy. And so work your ass off, which is why Monday through Friday, the, fir the first thing I do in the day, I don't read, I don't do my important things, I don't meditate, I fucking work out. That is like the baseline thing that just has to happen for you to cognitively optimize, for you to generate the kind of energy that you need on a physiological level. Okay, the next part of the question, how do I push past it uh, no, sorry. Uh, second part, how do I divide my day between learning and practicing the skill I learn? Okay, so I allocate a certain portion of my day first thing in the morning after working out to learning. So I'm reading, I'm um, trying to educate myself, I'm watching YouTube videos, like anything I can to gain deeper knowledge in an area. Right now, the two areas that I'm focused on are mindset and microbiome. Those two are like the most important things in my life. So that's what I read. I'm reading The Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela. Dear God, read that book. Um, and then I am reading a whole slew of things on the microbiome. And then the rest of my day, so starting at around 9.30 is when uh, the team starts showing up. Starting at about that time, just the, the day starts getting carried away and, and I am inadvertently, quite frankly, using everything that I'm learning. But I make huge demands of myself very intentionally to when I learn something, take a note on it and then try to put it into use that day and every day thereafter. Um, obviously, you can't use every skill that you have every day, but like if you when you learn it, really make an effort to um, push on that. That's really, really important. So do that. All right. Uh, question from Amin Khan. This comes from Facebook. I want to know how I can improve my communication skills when talking in a large group. I find that when I'm having long conversations or around a lot of people for some time, I feel anxious or not centered. 
Great description. I usually take a deep breath and self-talk helps, but uh, helps there. But are do I have any other tips, techniques, strategies that I can try? Okay, so um, you've already identified the two that are most important, which are one, breathe from your diaphragm. Taking those deep breaths triggers the parasympathetic nervous system, which is going to get you out of that fight or flight, the elevated heart rate, the shallow breathing, um, that cycle of anxiety. And then, um, sorry, go back. And then two, you... um, you want to use self-talk. Those are really, really important. So if you're doing those two things, it's already a huge part of it. The second is really assessing your microbiome and seeing if you are in a state of dysbiosis. And the the easiest way to ask that is if you're overweight, the chances of you having um, dysbiosis is a fancy way of saying that your microbiome is in disarray. So you have either um, the right bacteria in the wrong place or just a whole host of the wrong bacteria. But serotonin, which is one of the things that helps you feel centered and feel good, 95% of that is stored in the gut. So when you have um, dysbiosis and your microbiome is in total disarray, chances are that you're going to have a disruption of that neurochemical and you're not going to feel as centered and grounded and at ease as you might otherwise feel. So I would really look at that. Um, That's a a big thing. And then also some of this is just how long have you been doing the deep breathing and the positive self-talk? If it's relatively new, um, then it's just going to take time, man. And you've got to unwind that by creating new patterns. And then immersion therapy worked a lot for me. I actually went through a phase um, like you where merely speaking in front of people in a living room, my own family in a living room caused massive anxiety. And that was like, that was my sort of rock bottom moment with anxiety where I was like, Jesus Christ, like I've got to figure this out. This is absolute madness. And so that was when I started reading obsessively about that. Um, And there's a bunch of books on my list that deal with the brain and a lot of, and my list being at impacttheory.com, Tom's reading list. Um, And the reason I started reading about a lot of that stuff was because I, I was just, I was like, where does this go? Like, does this end with me in a fetal position in my room, like not able to leave? Like, it was so crazy. Um, And so really having to put myself in situations like that, forcing myself to breathe, positive self-talk, unwind the anxiety, and just talk in front of people as much as humanly possible. Doing lives used to give me more anxiety than you can imagine, but I started doing them like three years ago um, on Periscope. So it's like, you just do it and do it and do it and practice all the breathing techniques and all of that and do it more and more and more and more. Practice, practice, practice. All right. Question from Luca Mazai, YouTube. Uh, what book would you gift a homeless person who is willing to learn? Mindset by Carol Dweck. That's the book I'd gift anybody. Um, man, that's so intriguing. I'm tempted to dive deeper into that, but I'll stop there. Mindset. All right. Question from Bo Montier on Facebook. You've talked a lot about ideas and equal ideas out. As I listen to more books, podcasts, I feel a tension between digging into new stuff versus really dwelling on what the most recent piece of content has to teach me. Do you feel this tension? Uh, what does the process of reading a book look like for you? So I don't feel that tension. The reason is that I read in swarms. So I read like I've been reading about mindset for years. And so all the books either reinforce or give me a new perspective, but it's all in a very similar universe. So even reading about the brain and neurology, all that feeds back into mindset. So even all of those books all count in that swarm. Um, So you really begin to go deep, 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 even though you're reading a lot of stuff, broad authors, different perspectives, all of that, you're going deep on a subject. Um, And then microbiome, which is an obsession for me right now. I'm very much reading a broad um, number of authors and all that, but again, going deep, deep, deep on that subject. So I don't do the dilettante approach where it's like I'm just going across a whole lot of broad topics and just getting a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, even though um, over the course of my life, because I read so much, I have read a very broad um, and diverse set of things. And I think that that breadth over time is also very important because it it gives you a more powerful context for the things that you're um, going deep on. So that I think is is very, very beneficial. But I would just pick one or two things that you really want to become great at and go just insanely deep on those topics. All right. Question from Yadira Reyes. Reyes. One of those. How can you remain authentic in a in a judgmental and people-pleasing workplace. 
Um, well, you're going to have to buck the trend. So one, I want people to understand that being authentic doesn't mean always externalizing exactly what you think and feel. It does mean not bullshitting. It does mean not lying. But let me tell you, one of the strategies that I employ is silence. One of the strategies that I employ is non-judgmental, like questioning, like asking people just more to grow, to understand them. And if you want to see a world-class example of this, read Long Walk to Freedom by Nelson Mandela. He talks about that. And he talks about how um, he would encounter people that had very different ideology from him. And he would learn about it first. Like he wanted to understand like the, the white people in my country, like how do they think? And, and I think that a large part of his power came from understanding who he perceived to be the enemy, understanding um, other people that were maybe on the same side as what he was fighting for, but had a radically different way of thinking and being the, the person that, that came and brought people together because he led with trying to really understand it. Now, that didn't mean that he didn't have a, an aggressive standpoint. This dude was aggressive about the world that he wanted to build, but he always led with really trying to understand people. And he opened his own worldview to shifting as he got information that he felt was powerful towards getting him where he ultimately wanted to go. Um, but at the same time, like had this really, really strong set of convictions and beliefs, um, just a really world-class example. And he walks through times where he was silent. He walks through times where he had to stand up and say something. Uh, it's just really, really incredible example of somebody who was very, very deft. Um, but yeah, I, I would say be silent when that's the thing that is going to serve you. And then don't be afraid to speak up, even if that means that you're going to get fired. And so one really practical tip about how to be authentic, make sure you have six months of savings um, in your bank account. That, that's just good advice for anybody. And yes, that means that you're going to have to live like a pauper for a year, two years, three years, however the fuck long it takes to save up that money. But save up that money. Your life will change emotionally when you have six months saved up. You won't feel the need to people please unnecessarily. Look, I, I love when people get along. So I'm always trying to facilitate that, find ways where we can all win. But at the end of the day, I'm not afraid to speak my mind because I don't have a fear of the, of the consequences. I'm just always thinking about what's my goal. All right, question from Jeremy Soliday. This comes from YouTube. Uh, when you're going through the darkness... And it's intentional. When is a good time for one to take advantage of branding and social media to share my story? Well, I think you and I define darkness in a different way um, because I don't necessarily see the correlation between going through the darkness and um, your social media strategy. So um, here's, here's what I would say. Personally, I wouldn't try to build a personal brand if I wasn't world-class at something. That, that's just me. Like that is what I enjoy is going out into the wilderness, acquiring skills that have tremendous value and then bring them back and say, hey, here's what I've learned. Use them if you want. Um, part of that is I have deep confidence in what I'm saying. And part of the reason I wouldn't want to do it is because speaking on something that I'm not confident about really gives me anxiety. Like if you want to know something that triggers my fucking anxiety, it's when I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about and I still have to present myself like I do. I don't do that. Literally, I will stop speaking mid fucking sentence when I feel that kick in because that's just not my shtick. So um, yeah, I, I can't encourage people enough. Like I would be out there uh, for a friends and family kind of thing, but I wouldn't go hard to build my social following. I, I had been an entrepreneur for 12 or 13 years before I created um, my social accounts. So yeah, that's, that's my advice. Get great first. All right, question from Insight Junkie YouTube. Yusuf here. I'm just coming out of a bad breakup with my girlfriend of one year where I found out everything she told me was a lie. Ouch. And she had been cheating on me for a year. Double ouch. How do I move on? Okay, well, that's easy. You're brutally painful what you went through, man, and I feel your pain. Um, the way that you move on is this. Take total responsibility for it. The fact that she cheated is your bad. It's totally your fault. Now, I know how controversial that is. I know how much that pisses people off. The reason that I say that is now you're in control. Now you can ask yourself a way more empowering question. What could I have done differently to get a different result? Could I have chosen better? 
maybe, and maybe that's it. Maybe there's nothing else you could have done better. Or maybe not only did you choose poorly, maybe there's a whole host of things you could have done differently. Maybe you could have been more emotionally open. Maybe you could have communicated better. Maybe you could have listened to your gut instinct. Maybe you knew at some point, ah, something's not right here. And you didn't trust it and you didn't confront her and you didn't talk about it. Maybe you didn't create a safe space for her to talk. Maybe she felt like, she needed something from you that she wasn't able to get. She didn't feel like she could communicate it to you. Or maybe she did communicate it to you and you didn't listen or you weren't hearing it or you weren't paying attention. Who the fuck knows? I don't know your circumstance. But in there somewhere is an answer that empowers you. And let me tell you about an answer that disempowers you. The answer that disempowers you is that you were a victim. You were not. A, you may have been a victim, but you were not. You don't have to choose to be or sorry, you may have been victimized. You don't have to continue to view yourself as a victim. Like that is incredibly, incredibly important. You don't have to adopt the mentality of a victim. That's totally a choice. So moving on is saying, cool, I'm gonna learn from this. This is something really powerful. I am so glad this, this happened to me. You can't imagine how often I do that, by the way. Something that people think is absolute insanity that I would look at as a positive. And I look at it as a positive because I'm going to extract the value from that circumstance. I'm not gonna dwell on the negative things. I'm gonna figure out what I can learn and all of that puts me in a much more empowered state of mind and allows me to move forward. Because if you don't move on, you're just gonna be continue to be victimized by her. The people in the future are not her, so don't cling on to it. All right, this is from Patrick Rivera on Facebook. You've drilled the point. You were emotionally bankrupt when you made it and were strictly living for profitability. Were you operating before that moment knowing you were emotionally wrecked and going at it anyway? Yes. Do we get more detail? That, that, that's the truth. Yes, I knew. I kept doing it because I'm a fool or I certainly was behaving like a fool back then. Um, and... It was taking energy away from me, but I had promised myself that I would get rich. And while I was making, and I, I never use the words made it, I was making more money than I'd ever made before. Um, but there are levels to this shit. So that was like, I didn't feel like I had made it yet. So I was like, ah, oh, I just need to keep going just a little bit longer, a little bit longer. And I hadn't yet realized that I could make the demand that I make it doing something that I love, that I believe in, that I'm passionate about. Um, I was just taking what I thought was the surest path to money. Once I stopped doing that and started taking the surest path to emotional well-being, that's when everything changed. Um, question from Nahomi Hernandez on Facebook. How do you think there is something objectively, do you think there is something objectively wrong when people chase money as their end goal, even after understanding the fact that they pursue it merely because of the way that it makes them feel neurochemically? Not at all. I don't have any beef with people chasing money. It certainly wasn't the thing for me. And the vast majority of people that I meet that are really just chasing money, um, it's, it's gonna be an empty pursuit because money is inert. Money doesn't do anything intrinsically. Money is um, the great facilitator. Money lets you do things. So for instance, if somebody came to me and said, look, all I really care about is money, um, then I would say, okay, well, what do you plan to do with the money? And my gut instinct is once they run through a few sort of fun things like oh, I'm going to buy a big house, I'm going to buy a fancy car, I'm going to wear jewelry, all that. And that's fun. That's awesome. Like no need to feel bad about that whatsoever, especially if that's something that was always denied you. And it's just like you really are excited by it and you want to do it. Rad, fucking go after it. But after you get past that stuff, like you find that most people, there's really something beautiful they want to do. They want to give back to their family. They want to build schools in Africa. They want to uh, do whatever. Like there's the outpouring of amazing shit that people talk about when you get past that. Okay, I know you're going to give money to your family. You're going to invest money. Like, but then what do you do after that? And then you hear some really cool shit. All I'm saying is if you focus on that now, if you put that at the center, not only of why you're creating the wealth, but how you create the wealth, if there's a way, not everything is tied, but if there's a way to put it at the center for both of those reasons, dude, in your times of trouble, it's just gonna be so much easier because you're really excited about it. But if it's just a scorecard, then hey, go for it, man. When I look at like um, athletes, at the end of the day, they've got two things going for them, winning games and being great. That's it. Those are the things that drive them on the field. Now, some of it's economic as well, but those are like the primary drivers usually for somebody that is an athlete is they want to be great at something and they want to win. And so if you just look at, at the end of the day, the money that I'm going to make is my 
points. It's my tally. Yeah, that's awesome. If that gets you motivated and keeps you going, I've got no beef with that. All right, question from Blas Vegas Carrasco. Nice. This is on Facebook. Would love insight on taking what I do as a martial arts coach and impact more people and not have it necessarily be connected to martial arts. I want to move beyond the dojo and into the world. Thank you. Go look at Faraz Sahabi. He does an amazing job of creating YouTube content around helping other people learn how to fight and think and all that stuff. And so while it's mostly still connected to martial arts as the vehicle to explain, it lets him really get to the mindset thing. So like I often talk about business as my way of explaining mindset, um, it's still ultimately mindset. So I think that would allow you to get out of the dojo and into the world. All right, question from Corey G. Rhoda on Facebook. What's up, by the way, Corey? I see you here a lot. Thank you, man. Assuming you're a dude, by the way. I guess that. Maybe not true. Uh, Tom, have you considered a top 10 most impactful moments at Impact Theory similar to the top 10 on Inside Quest? Yes. And as we wrap up our first year, we will be doing something exactly like that, um, counting down the top things from the year. The greatest news of all time is that this company was literally founded um, on January 4th. So for us, every year is really looking back on that year's worth of content. It's going to be a lot of fun every year to do that. And so we'll count down the, the top lessons from the year. So um, look for that every year. All right, question from Todd Banks on Facebook. What are your thoughts on growing your community by having a monthly fan guest on After Impact? This would be an incentive to tune in an automatic share bomb within the community plus the winner social community. That's actually... A variation of that, I will say, is fucking genius. Um, the only reason I'll say a variation is committing to someone um, being live for an hour would take a lot of vetting. Um, so we'd have to, to think about that. But a variation on that theme, like having you guys write something in, submit videos, things like that, that we could feature, testimonials, reviews, that kind of stuff, that is genius. And when we do that, dear Todd Banks, Remember that you were the one that said that we should. I think that's incredible. Chase is going to write that down. Uh, super, super genius. Thank you, man, for the suggestion. I love that. Um, and then probably have time for one more. This is some from Song Baron Kabiraj. Song Baron Kabiraj. What's the key to build a great relationship with anyone? If you want to be interesting, be interested. So let's start with that. Um, Really diving into who that person is, meeting them with compassion and empathy is always a starting point. So whomever that person is, really coming to understand them, really meeting them where they are. Don't preach or proselytize. Don't get them to try to think like you think. Like really figure out who they are. Really show them your authentic interest in understanding them. Like that will really make people want to connect with you. That is a big thing. All right. So we're going to sneak in one more here. Question from Patrick Gora on YouTube. Hey, Tom, you mentioned that you grind during work days and try to spend time with your wife on weekends. Do you think that this attitude would be good to follow if I'd like to become pro in sport? Um, well, so first of all, I, I would be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't acknowledge that for a very, very, very long time. We'll call it roughly a decade. Um, I worked so much and was so fiendishly focused on the acquisition of skills. And part of the only reason that I stopped doing that was because it was beginning to really strain my relationship with my wife. Um, but dude, I worked a lot and gained a lot of skills and those skills have served me insanely well in my life. So if you wanted to be a pro, my honest answer is shut everything else out of your life and go insanely deep in that and only take breaks when you, emotionally you absolutely need to. And there's an awesome quote and I'm forgetting who it's by right now, but it goes something like this. Every time that you're not working, there is someone that's putting in that work. And when the two of you meet, they will win because they're putting in that work. Like there's just no substitute for becoming great, becoming capable of the extraordinary, being able to outperform people. If you want more on that, read Relentless by Tim Grover. Listen to talks by Kobe Bryant. Listen to our own. We pulled a clip from my boy Jay Williams, uh, former NBA player, current um, announcer on, uh, I think he does ESPN, um, but certainly a commentator. And he talked about meeting Kobe and how Kobe's work ethic really inspired him and that he went into the gym. He was, he was on the Chicago Bulls. He was about to play Kobe Bryant. And he goes into the gym before the game and starts shooting and realizes that um, Kobe 
that comes out and then Kobe ends up staying long after he stops. And so he goes to Kobe after the game where Kobe scored like 40 points in them and they win the game. And he said to Kobe, like, why did you practice so long in the morning? And Kobe said, I needed you to know that I was willing to outwork you. That's what it's about, boys and girls. That's what it's about. Like, imagine that. Showing up in the court and knowing, I'm just, I'm going to outwork this guy. He's going to leave before I leave. And then I'm going to beat him on the, in the game as well. Like, that is it. Set the bar ridiculously high and then surpass all expectations. It is the only way to greatness. So if you want to be a pro, you got to be great. That's my answer. All right, guys, that's all the time that we have. One last shout out. If you are a fan of movies, comic books, TV shows, um, books, video games, and you want to see what it means to look at that from the perspective that you've come to know me for, empowerment, mindset, like how I extract knowledge from all of these things. We have started a new YouTube channel. It is Impact Theory Studios. Go check it out. Subscribe right now. We're a little hard to find because we have very few subscribers at this point, but we're putting out content. We've already dropped one on um, Blade Runner 2049. So if you do a search for Impact Theory and just select channels uh, or do Impact Theory Blade Runner, we'll come up. Subscribe to that channel only if you're a fan of that stuff, though, because I want to be very clear. We're going to go fucking deep on that stuff. So I only want fans of that there. Uh, but go there. It's looking at the world of entertainment through the lens of empowerment. We're going to be publishing our own content. We're working on our comics right now. We're going to be doing TV shows, movies, all that stuff. That is why we exist. So, but again, only the fans. If you're a fan, head there now and subscribe. You'd be doing me a huge favor. We're going to be growing that subscriber base. All right, that's it for now. Thank you guys for everything that you do, for the questions, for all of it, for the engagement. Dude, I am insanely grateful. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe here. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.